What's up, everybody, and welcome to Wipe That Smark Off Your Face, the pro wrestling theme podcast brought to you by the Nerdpool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me, it's me, it's a J-M-I-E, your second favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa down the road of nerdiness. And today's episode, we went all in. Today, we're going double or nothing. That's right, we're talking about AEW All Elite Wrestling's very first pay-per-view and very first four-way into what many consider the war against the WWE as we take on Double or Nothing live from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada, May 25th. We're going we're gonna to talk about what happened, some of the stuff that I enjoy, so let's just jump right into it. The pre-show started off on YouTube, Facebook, all the other streaming apps, the Bleacher Report streaming app. As you saw, the Casino Battle Royale, which was a little bit convoluted, it was not as good to me as it was at the Over the Budget Battle Royal in... Uh, at All In, I had some fun spots uh, with Jimmy Havoc stapling a cigarette to Joey Janela's head. I know people are thinking that's weird, you know, that I said that's a fun spot, but there's good comedy spots. Orange Cassidy with his devastating kicks to Tommy Dreamer, uh, which and an impressive nip up with his hands in his pockets. Orange Cassidy's an A weird aspect, but he's fun to watch. Great comedy wrestling. Um, we had a little bit of a convoluted rules here. Five minutes start in the ring, and then every five minutes, there's a card pulled. Whatever suit that was is what the suits come out next, so heart, spades, whatever. People drove their cars beforehand, and those come out. Again, it got a little convoluted on the rules, but it ended up working. There's fun comedy spots. introduced you to a lot of the new wrestlers, Luchasaurus. Um, the biggest star that come out of this was probably MJF, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, and it was, you know, his, his stock probably rose a lot. But introduced, you got your first look at him. Um, Adam Page, who ends up winning the Battle Royal after he was taken out of his match with Pac. After a lot of dispute over Pac not wanting to lose. Nothing against Pac. Not wanting to lose because he's the Dragon Gate Openweight Champion. Then wanted to make the weight look strong. And the company didn't want it. It's just a weird story. But... Adam Page ends up winning, so later on he will take on, at a future date, which we come to find out is all out, uh, will take on Chris Jericho or Kenny Omega for the first ever AEW Heavyweight Championship. The next match is Sammy Guevara versus Kip Sabian, two young up-and-comers. The first singles match that gives you that first look at the kind of the style that AEW is going for with Kip Sabian actually getting the win against Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara is... The, it's a strange character because he's he's supposed to be this nice guy. He's kind of like a millennial YouTuber, and people don't like him, which make, makes me laugh considering you know how I am about some certain millennial YouTubers. But it, it, was, it was a decent match, pretty good match, and it got you kind of hyped for what the pay-per-view was to come. The pay-per-view starts off with uh, a family of Christopher Jackson, his wife and his daughter, singing the national anthem all in different keys different tunes I, nothing against it i love the national anthem but the, i don't know these three doing the national anthem kind of just I don't, ew, it took me out of because all of them seemed like they were just different voices different octaves and it just it didn't work for me but you know beautiful national anthem regardless we got introduced to jim ross excalibur and alex marvez on commentary jim ross coming back is awesome 
and I love Jim Ross, and I really hope that he has stepped his game back up because I know watching him from New Japan when he called it some pay-per-views live, he didn't seem good, but he didn't know the characters. And I, I really hope that he can bring back to what it was back in the day because Jim Ross is the best to ever do it. Excalibur is a announcer for Pro Wrestling Gorilla. He wears a mask. He's different. He's knowledgeable, and I actually like Excalibur. Alex Marvez is a sports broadcaster. He broadcasts for the radio for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tony Khan brought him in. There's nothing against Alex Marvez. Alex Marvez doesn't know the product, and I think Alex Marvez kind of took away from it. I think his commentary, his little quips, took away from the overall aspect of the wrestling because he he just doesn't know really what's going on. He was nervous. He's never done pro wrestling. He he could get better. I'm not going to down him yet. You know, completely bash him. But for the first outing, he did he did his best. But I think he, he might have hurt, hurt it a little bit more than he helped it. Hopefully he gets better. Hopefully they go with this. I don't, I'm not a fan of the three-man booth anyway. They're going to go with it for some reason. So let's just hopefully that he grows into the aspects of what he needs to be and grows into his position so he can be the best that he can be for it. The first match of the night was SCU, which is Christopher Daniels, Scorpio Sky, and Frankie Kazarian. SCU taking on Stronghearts from the OWE promotion in Oriental Wrestling Entertainment over in China. China's first big pro wrestling company, which all three of these guys are Japanese. It's strange, but, you know, <clears throat> trained by the Ultimo Dragon. This match, this sets the tone for what AEW wants. This was high-flying. This was spots. This was good storytelling. Nobody really knew who... O-W-E-R, uh, I didn't even really know, the, the, I mean, excuse me, the Strongheart. You got Chima, you got T-Hawk, and you got L. Lindemann. I've never heard of these guys before. I know that uh, the that Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and them were, were high on them and bringing them in, and I wanted to, and, you know, and I was I was giving them a chance, and they delivered. Like, they, they brought their names up, and this was just, I mean, it was so much fun. There was back and forth action spots, great double team. It with it being a six man, it seems like sometimes the referee got a little bit of uh got got a little out of place and didn't know where he was. But that happens when you have a lot going on. But this match, these guys clicked. They had great chemistry, and I think this really sets the tone for what AEW is striving for and giving you something different. The match went 13 minutes and 40 seconds. It actually felt like it went longer, and that's not a bad thing. It's just so much was going on. You had SCU getting the getting the win here and showing off. Kazarian and Christopher Daniels have been doing this for years. They've went, you know, they've been in TNA, Ring of Honor. Um, Kazarian has, was in the WWE developmental a long time ago you know they've been around Scorpio Sky has been doing this for a little while they work together they have a great gimmick of, of going to a town insulting the town and the town loving it they're saying this is the worst town they've ever been in they're Southern California guys it is great I cannot wait to see more from not only SCU but the uh, Stronghearts this was a seriously a fun fun match go out of your way to see it if you're going to see you know it's just spots and it's it's really good storytelling on top of it 
The next match, which was going to be Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose versus Kylie Ray, for a triple threat match, is the first women's match for AEW. Brandy Rhodes comes out in full ring gear, and you fully expect her to interject herself into the match. She says she doesn't just want a great match. She wants a match that's awesome. Music hits, and we find out that she has brought in Awesome Kong. Now, when Awesome Kong comes out, the, the roar from the crowd is amazing. Awesome Kong, I love Awesome Kong. I've loved that character. She is a great, great in-ring competitor. And you might know her as the welfare queen on the hit uh, comedy on Netflix, Glow, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. She's an amazing character. She's big. She's built. She's a badass. And I've always liked Kong's character. In this, she didn't do a lot. And she was there for a name value, and she's there to pick her spots and do strong, you know, the big power moves. And what they needed her for work. They didn't need her to go in there and put on a clinic. They wanted, that was going to be Britt Baker's job. That was going to be Kylie Ray's job. That was going to be Nyla Rose. It's their opportunity. She's there to add name value and to just do some spots that, that pop the crowd. She did that. I'll tell you, Nyla Rose, I've never seen Nyla Rose before. She impressed me a lot. I think uh, Nyla Rose has a lot of potential to be a powerhouse, you know, a, a big brawling uh, woman to add to the women's division. Britt Baker and Kylie Ray took the majority of the heavy lifting in this match, putting on the biggest wrestling match. Great between the two. Britt Baker's going to be their first women's champion, I have no doubt. She's a star in the making. She's a legitimate doctor. She's smart. She's beautiful. And she legitimately can go in the ring. I mean, it doesn't hurt the fact that she's Adam Cole, Bay Bay's, you know, Bay girlfriend. And she uses some of his moves, and it works. I, I really was impressed by Britt Breaker and Kylie Ray. And the women's division is off to a strong start, and I think it could be a, another viable option for people outside of the WWE, these women to come up. Because I think it's going to be fun to watch. And with Brandy overseeing it, I think Brandy has a vision for what the women's division will be. And I think it's going to be something special with that. Next up, we have Jack Evans and Angelico versus the best friends, Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor. Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor's Titantron, I don't, I don't know what they're calling it. The video package that precedes their music is insane. It might be the best video ever, but it's also crazy, there's just people walking hand in hand on the beach, there's pugs, there's spaceships, there's dogs, it isn't crazy, it is insane, but it is so damn fun to look at, and then Jack Evans and Angelico, 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 however you want to pronounce his name, this guy from South Africa has something, he's very athletic, he has a swagger about him that... I think can draw people in. He he's tall, good looking. I I really think he could be money because he is. If you've ever watched him in Lucha Underground, the guy is a high flying machine, very athletic, and there's just something special about him. Jack Evans has been around forever, and the dude does a lot of high spots. He does a lot of weird, takes a lot of hard bumps. Him and Angelico work together as a tag team, but I really think Angelico is could be something special as a singles competitor. Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor, they're they're the best friends. You know, Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta. 
They didn't want to be in the Battle Royal. They were going to be originally in the Casino Battle Royale. They said, we don't want that. We want a match. And luckily, with Hangman Page going out, they got to put on here. And this match, again, high spots, fun, action-packed, very athletic. And we, we get to see the aspect of Trent Barretta and Chuck Taylor trying to do their hug. This is a... This this match, Jack Evans is is very very underrated as a high flyer. Now the thing is he's very he's very small, and he God he looks old. I don't know how old Jack Evans is, but I know he ain't as old as he looks. But he's been doing this forever on the independent circus. I mean I've been watching Jack Evans for years on the independents. I'm glad he got his chance here. We'll see how that goes. And Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor defeated or got the win here. And they defeated Jack Evans and Angelico in 12 minutes, 35 seconds. Again, a great action-packed, fast-paced match. This is what AEW is. It's more athletically driven, and it, it pops the crowd, and it gives you excitement that is lacking in other companies. After the match, as uh, the best friends were offering hugs to their opponents, the lights go out. When we come back in the ring, we see the Super Smash Brothers run the ring. That name's going to have to be changed because Nintendo will sue them. They will sue them quickly. The Super Smash Brothers, we're in there. As the lights go out again, we see a bunch of masked wrestlers attack everybody. They get in, and they one of them sits on a throne on the throne as the or sits on a throne of humans made by the other mass wrestlers. This is very weird. The Super Smash Brothers, I know they're big on the independent circuit. I don't know a lot about them. I've seen a few of their matches. They seem like they're good. I don't know the gimmicks. I don't know their names. It's very weird. It's just strange. It's another tag team to add to the division, which I'm glad they're building their tag division. That's, you know, great, because I like tag team wrestling. We'll see how it goes. Like I said, the Super Smash Brothers are a weird gimmick. I don't know what their name's going to be in AEW. They never actually said their name on AEW TV because, again, Nintendo will sue them. So, I don't know where they're going with this. We'll have to end up seeing what they go with. I hope they can be a another cog in the wheel for tag team wrestling at AEW as they bring it up. Next up, we get a battle of the... Japanese women as Aja Kong, and I'm going to screw up every name here, Beside, probably besides Aja Kong. Aja Kong, the legend of women's Japanese wrestling, the one who helped train uh, Awesome Kong. She's older, but she's always been a staple. Her and the matches with Bull Nakano have sold out. She's one of the only women to ever be main event, the Tokyo Dome. Uh, we got Yuka. Sakazaki and Emi Sakuru versus Hakura Shida, Riho, and Ryu Mizuyanami. I just butchered all those names, I know. Uh, Sakura comes out dressed as Freddie Mercury, which was funny. You got, this, this match was just what it is. If you've ever seen Japanese wrestling, there's high-flying spots. There's power spots with Aja Kong. It's hard-hitting. These women went out, and they tried their best. I'm sorry I can't just say more on the matchup because I don't want to screw up their names much because I, I respect them too much. These women were brought in by Kenny Omega. 
because Kenny Omega saw him and he loved him and he wanted to give him a shot. And I'm glad he did. It introduces him to a big audience here in the States. Um, and I hope they get used more because the match is is fun. They all have history together. You can tell that they all have chemistry. It works. It is just it's a beautiful thing to watch when you have this much going on. And it was cool to see Aja Kong again and, and get to see her on this stage as I don't know if she'll be a full time or get to use be used a lot, but it added a name value to this match that a lot of hardcore fans knew. And it was it was really fun just to see the, the Japanese legend come out for this for this match. Next up, we get the video package for Cody versus Dustin Rose. And I will say this, man, that video package was beautiful. The song was perfect. Everything worked, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. So next, we're getting that match. Cody comes out as he passes by a throne that looks suspiciously like a Triple H stone from Mania. He goes down the ring, and Brandy is holding a sledgehammer. Cody goes up, and he hits the throne with the sledgehammer. The throne blows up and crumbles. And some people are saying that it was cheesy, and it was, you know, an unnecessary shot at WWE. I think Cody did it to make a statement. And you know what? I liked it. I thought it was cool. I thought it was fun. It might have been a little cheesy, but that was what... That's what I liked about it. I thought it was like him saying, you know, I didn't need you. I told you I could be a star, and I don't need you, and this is what I think of you. Great. Next up, we got the natural Dustin Rhodes coming out in Gold Dusk-ish inspired gears, black and red, half his face is painted, and if you, it was just tense. You can see the emotion on both of their faces, knowing that they wanted to be able to do this match for so long and that the WWE wouldn't allow them to have the match that they wanted and be able to do the, tell the story they wanted. This match is the, the story of the young guy, Cody, trying to kill, quote-unquote, the Attitude Era and kill off the, you know, what the Attitude Era represented. And it was a clashing of styles, a clashing of brothers, this was a great story behind it, and this match was probably my the best match of the night. I mean, it was just fantastic. It was an old-school knockout, drag-out wrestling match between a grizzled veteran and Dustin Rhodes, who is one of the most underrated professional wrestlers ever. The guy could go in the ring, always has been, always been a great worker, always been a great storyteller, and has never been utilized to his fullest potential against Cody, who has come a long way in developing himself to be one of the better professional wrestlers out there. Cody Rhodes isn't the best. Cody Rhodes isn't one of them guys you can have a five-star match with anybody. He's just he's just not there yet. He's getting there. And this match was just phenomenal. At one point when they take the Cody rips the um one of the turnbuckles off and as Dustin runs in he gets Drop toe holded and his head hits the turnbuckle and he bleeds everywhere. I mean, the blood in this match was insane. I don't know if Dustin took aspirin before to thin his blood or what, but it went crazy. I mean, he was bleeding everywhere. It was like a stuck pig. It was bad. But it added to the aspect of this match. It added to the, the story of this match. We get Brandy interfering in the match. We get her getting thrown out by Earl Hebner, the referee. 
DDP coming down, grabbing her, taking her, and walking her back. And it just, it was such great storytelling. I mean, there was such a great story behind this and so great and so much going on. This match was, again, a, an old-school, story-driven, psychology-driven wrestling match. And I just loved it. The end sequence saw both brothers hitting multiple crossroads on each other, trying to put each other away. Cody gets the win with a crossroads at the end. And he can you can just tell the emotion on his face. You can tell the how much this meant to him. This match was not high spots. This match was not just crazy, fast-paced insanity. This match was a very just technological professional wrestling match, and it shows the different styles that AEW has. You can go from having these spot fests that you want to call them to having these kind of professional wrestling matches, and it was just amazing, beautiful match. If you only watch one match from all of from Double or Nothing from All Elite Wrestling's first show. This is be this should be the match. This is the match that I think could draw you in if you're a wrestling fan or if you're not, because it, it's a great, great story behind it. After the match, uh, Cody gets up and he says that after you know before this match even started, he put his name to paper for a Fighter Fest coming up at the end of June against him a po- opponent. Him and a partner of his choosing against the Young Bucks. And he looked at his brother. He said, I don't need a partner. I don't need a friend. I need my older brother. As he's crying, they hug. So we're going to get Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes against the Young Bucks. It was great. Like the emotion on Cody's face, the story that he told, you know that this was important to him. This was a big deal to him. And it was it was just beautiful. And it's moments like that that made me glad to be a professional wrestling fan because I love professional wrestling, and this was just a big, big, big part of why. So if you can, go out of your way to see this match, because it's, it's a thing of beauty. Next up, we get the unveiling of the AEW Heavyweight title uh, with a surprise person unveiling it, which was Brett the Hitman Hart. Um, Vince McMahon is pissed off now, I guarantee it. I mean, I know he didn't expect this to happen. One of his biggest stars, one of his legends, a two-time Hall of Famer for his company, is on AEW unveiling the belt. Uh, Bret Hart's kind of stumbling through his promos a little bit, but like he says, I haven't done this in a while, and you know, it's it's Bret Hart, he's been through a lot, so we let him slide. He gets, he brings out Adam Page, then they get interrupted by MJF, and again, MJF starts cutting promos, he's telling Bret there's a fan about to attack him, laughing about it. MJF is a great promo guy. He's a great heel. And he is, like I said, his stock has probably rose the most from this one show because if you didn't know who MJF was, you will after this show because he is just, he's good on the mic. He plays his character perfectly. And he gets, he goes to get in the ring and he starts to do Bret Hart's pro, uh, line. I'm the best there is, best there was. He stopped and said, wait, you know what? That line just sucks. Very funny, and as he's about to leave, he uh, MJF is backing up the ranchers' way. Jungle Boy comes out, Jimmy Havoc comes out, and Adam Page, and they all attack him. As Bret Hart unveils the belt, they don't really get a good shot of the belt on the pay per view, and it's kind of a shame. You can just get glances. It's like Bret's facing the wrong cameras, but when you do see the belt, the belt is gorgeous. It looks heavy. It's 
IWGP inspired as well as it looks like it took aspects from every company and put them to one and it is a gorgeous belt it is one of the best looking belts in professional wrestling I really do think that I think it's just beautiful and I can't wait to see what their tag titles look like and in any mid card titles because if, if they're anything as good as this I mean it's, it's going to be amazing so you know my hats off to AEW and Cody and them for designing that belt because it is just gorgeous to me next up we have the Young Bucks the triple A Tag Team Champions defending against the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon, and Phoenix. And this match, Spot Fest. Spot Fest, high spots, that's all it was. And it is fun to watch. These teams have so much chemistry, and it works so well, and I just love it. They're doing insane, insane stuff. And I know some people don't, don't like this style. They think it's unnecessary risk, but... Man, it is so much fun to watch. The Young Bucks and their tag team maneuvers, I don't know how they come up with some of this stuff. It is just amazing. Ray Phoenix has to be one of the most athletic people in professional wrestling. A spot where he has one of the Young Bucks, he has him on the ropes. He jumps up to the top rope, super kicks the other one while he's standing on the ropes, jumps around. I mean, it, it is insane the stuff that this man can do and my hat's off to them because both of these teams went out and put on a hell of a show. Pentagon is one of the biggest stars on the independent circuit. He has proven himself former TNA world champion. You know, he's been everywhere. Ray Phoenix has always kind of been the, the brother to Pentagon. I think this was his breakout because he did some stuff in this match that made me go, holy shit. And then the young bucks are always the young bucks. They are fun to watch. They, you can just tell that they love professional wrestling this is a great story behind not just spots fest this is great storytelling because there's a story between these two of wrestling in pwg and then losing there to the lucha brothers going to triple a beating the lucha brothers on their own home turf nefariously after they just defended their titles talking them into it beating them there there's a story behind this and it and that's the reason it worked is because they have history and there's a little bit of story. And even if you didn't know the story, if you didn't know there was a story, it was just off the wall, balls to the wall, fun, action packed. The Young Bucks get the win with the Meltzer driver and they retain the AAA tag team titles. Now, they'll lose those belts to them in AAA. That's, that's, that's the whole point of this. Probably at next year's Triple Mania, maybe sometime later. But that's going to be the plan. But this was just a showcase for the Young Bucks, Pentagon, and them. And show the athleticism and the ability of Lucha and working with other companies. Great match. We're moving on to the main event as Kenny Omega, the face of AEW, who will be taking on Chris Jericho. Probably the biggest name in AEW. Jericho's entrance was very was fun. He has a guy dressed as... Lionheart Chris Jericho, blackout, come back, guys holding Jericho with a scarf and the sweater vest and the list of Jericho, go back out, comes back on, guys wearing the lighted jacket, and then we get to see evil Jericho from New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Jericho was a, looked like he might have been a little out of shape. Now, I know he'd been working out. I know he's in shape. He had a gut on him. There's nothing wrong with that, and, you know, Kenny Omega comes out looking like a star, looking like the, the, the star that he is. Kenny Omega's a weird guy, and I don't mean that bad. I just mean that he doesn't talk like a professional wrestler. He doesn't 
he looks like one, but he, he doesn't. It, it's strange. Kenny Omega is a, a unique, unique person. And this match, while this wasn't their Tokyo Dome match, this was a great match. These two have chemistry. They work together well. Chris Jericho is, you know, one of the best that ever did it. And he's top three greatest of all time. Just character-wise, being able to reinvent himself, his in-ring prowess. Kenny Omega is one of the best professional wrestlers on the planet today. This match that was hard-hitting. It wasn't a over-the-top, you know, spot fest. There was high spots, but there was not a spot fest. This wasn't a traditional wrestling match. This was a brawl, and it was all three of those things put together. That's what I liked about the this, this event was showing the fact that you could have traditional wrestling, you could have high spots, and you can have brawls, and you can show that there's different styles of pro wrestling. This was seemed like it was a medley of all of them. And, again, the chemistry between these two is just amazing, and it's, it's truly something special to watch. Chris Jericho gets the win after hitting the Judas Effect. His spinning back elbow, his new finisher that he debuted, it the, the spinning back elbow he does doesn't look that devastating to me. But a spinning back elbow is devastating if he hits it. And the story of the match was him kind of he never once tried to go for it, never alluded to it. So it was that story of was it real? Was it you know was he just trying to mess with Kenny? He he hits his you know. Uh, Somersault, moonsault off the second rope. He hits the lion tamer, the code breaker. He does all the classic Jericho. Can't put him away. We're going for one-winged angels. We hit V-triggers, you know, from Kenny Omega. It's it's that story. And the Judas effect, one hit, boom, knocks him down. Jericho wins. Jericho gets up. And as he will take on... Adam Page at All Out August 31st in Chicago for the first AEW Heavyweight Championship. And as he gets up, he's cutting a promo. He's talking about how he wants everybody to thank him. And he does a funny thing to where he's saying he wants the crowd to thank him. When they start thanking him, he tells them to shut up. Jericho's a great heel. Great promo guy, great heel guy. And it, it just works for what he's doing. As he's going through all this, he's psyching the crowd up. He's bad-mouthing the crowd all of a sudden, we see somebody coming through the crowd. It is John Moxley, formerly known in the WWE as Dean Ambrose. John Moxley, the hottest free agent in professional wrestling, has stormed the ring to a massive eruption and pop from the crowd. He gets in the ring with uh, Chris Jericho, hits him with the Dirty Deeds, double-arm DDT. I don't know what he'll call it now. I'm pretty sure he won't call it Dirty Deeds, but hits him with a double-arm DDT. The crowd goes nuts because he plants the heel. We don't really know what's going. He kicks the referee, plants him with a double-arm DDT. He picks up Kenny Omega, goes for the double-arm DDT on Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega pushes them to the outside. They start brawling through the crowd up to the entryway. They climb up on the bit on big poker chips that's set up on the entranceway. Double arm DDT to Kenny Omega there. Gets up and he F5s or FUs him, attitude adjustments or whatever. It's kind of like a death valley driver. Throws him off onto the stage. Kenny Omega takes a huge bump onto the stage. John Moxley has officially thrown a shot in the war. He's there. He, if you've heard any of his recent podcast, whether it's uh, the Talk is Jericho podcast or the Pro Wrestling Torch podcast, he goes in depth about 
being unhappy with the creative process in WWE and being able to be his own person here. John Moxley, when he's passionate and motivated, is one of the best promo guys in the business and can be one of the best storytellers in the business. And I am so excited for this. I mean, this was a huge, huge deal for AEW and for professional wrestling to see the first big jump from WWE to AEW. I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm excited for everything that's coming in with All Elite Wrestling. It's a great time to be a professional wrestling fan. This show delivered on all angles, whether you're a high spots uh, indie wrestling type fan, whether you're a traditional wrestling fan, whether you're a brawling wrestling fan, no matter what, this had everything you need. Great promos, great in-ring work. There were some hiccups here and there. Their first show, they're still getting into it, but all in all, this show... Out of 10, it's going to be an 8, 8.5. It it's just delivering on all aspects of what I wanted as a professional wrestling show. And All Elite Wrestling is it, it's, it's coming into its own. And I don't want them to try to just compete with WWE right out of the gate. Establish yourself, make yourself known, and make yourself, make your own brand before you go trying to, you know, take down the juggernaut. You don't even have to worry about that. Just be an alternative. You don't have to be at war. And I think that's what they're doing. I don't think they want to. They don't want to put them out of business. They want to just be an alternative to what that is. I think it's great, and I, I loved it. This show was amazing. If you can watch this show, please do support this. There's the next show is June 29th. It's Fighter Fest. It will be live on the Bleacher Report app. It might be pay per view. I don't know for sure yet. Uh, their next guaranteed pay per view is August 31st. It's All Out, which will feature Chris Jericho versus Adam Page for the first AEW Heavyweight Championship. Just support wrestling, guys. You know, whether it's AEW, whether it's MLW, whether it's uh, Ring of Honor, Impact, New Japan, you know, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, no matter what you watch, just. If you're a professional wrestling fan, it's one of the best times in the world to be a professional because there's so much great talent out there. There's so much great stuff going on that you don't just have that one company. WWE is the juggernaut. Yes, it's the biggest company, but it's not the only company. And there can always be more than one company, and that's what we need for. That's what we shoot for. That's what we strive for as pro wrestling fans. I just want to say this, too. I was listening to the Jim Cornette's recap of it, and I listened to the whole thing. Why, I don't know. Look, Cornette has, Jim Cornette has a, he, he likes a certain style of wrestling. That's fine. He's, you know, he likes the 80s and before. He likes an old school type of wrestling. But he's bad-mouthing performers. He's bad-mouthing the style of it. This was a great show. And Jim Cornette is so out of touch with what wrestling is. It has evolved and it has become something Special and something different than what it was in the 70s, 80s, 60s, 50s, 40s, and all that. And you can like what you like, Jim. And I'm not going to try to badmouth you because you don't like certain stuff you like. But you spewing shit at the fans that like it and spewing onto the talent that we have and the talent in AEW. I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. I don't know if it's because. Your style doesn't draw money anymore. You know, you keep talking about how they need to do this to make the promotion work. Well, I'm just telling you this, Jim. Um, I know you had a promotion, and it's not here anymore. And your promotion ran on that old school style. And if your old school style worked so much and you're such a great at it, why isn't Smoky Mountain Wrestling still around, buddy? Um, I'm not trying to bash you. I'm just saying, you know, don't hate on people 
for liking the pro wrestling that we're liking. Don't like hate on them for liking spots and sometimes liking these these high flying matches because they're great things and they're fun to watch and it can draw people in. You know, I don't mean to be on this rant against Jim Cornette. You know, and I don't want to do this against Jim Cornette because the man's a super fan. He's been doing it forever, and I have all the respect in the world for Jim Cornette as being one of the best managers that ever worked in professional wrestling. And, but listening to his review of all of uh, all elite wrestling and Double or Nothing, it just it kind of got me hot because it, all he did was bash the company. All he did was bash everything. The only thing he didn't bash was the Cody Rhodes and Dustin match. That's the only thing he didn't bash because that's more of an old school type wrestling and that's what he liked. That's fine. You can like what you like, but don't bash the fans and don't bash the talent. Don't make fun of the talent, you know, calling people transvestites and stuff because you don't like it and don't agree with what they're doing. That's it. Ran over. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for liking. Thank you for sharing, subscribing. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Nerdpool Pod. Follow me on Instagram at Nerdpool Podcast. Follow me on Twitch at Nerdpool Gaming. And remember, August 31st, all out. Uh, June 29th, the Fighter Fest. All Elite Wrestling is doing big things. Support your local indie wrestlers. If there's an indie promotion out there in your town, city, state, country, go support it because you never know when those stars could end up being the next big star in professional wrestling. Just just go out and support pro wrestling as a, as a whole because it's a great sport and brings fans together. So thank you all. And until next time, that's Nerdpool. See ya.